welcome to church. 12 days till Christmas. Scary, isn't it? Hence my bright green shirt, Christmas shirt. If you're new here this morning or you've missed the last couple of weeks, I just want to remind you of one of our values here at Eastlake, that people are our heart. Our heart is for all people. I mean, Jesus loves all people, doesn't he? And we make no apologies here for being specifically focused on reaching those far from God. We want to bring the broken home. And we believe that our light, the light of Jesus inside of us, is best seen in the dark. So if you're here this morning and you're just checking this whole church thing out, or you've been walking with Jesus for 20 years or two days, you are welcome. We have an open standing unconditional, no strings attached, plus one invitation here at Eastlake. Is that good? Yeah. yeah. Well, it looked like it is, you know. <laughs> this idea of plus one is what we've been chatting about over the last couple of weeks. Pastor Josh kicked off this series of talks with a great message about there's always more fish in the sea. There's always more people to reach with the hope and the love of Jesus, isn't there? So we keep going, we keep casting out our net, and we keep reaching out. And then last week, I know I was personally really encouraged by that message, that we, when we go on that mission, we never go alone, that Jesus promises never to leave us or forsake us. And I love this line that Pastor Josh said. He said, we might not have all the gifts, but we have the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit has all the gifts. How good is that? It was so encouraging. And I want to continue this idea this morning. Knowing that God this morning invites you, he invites me to partner with him to share hope to all humanity. That's a pretty incredible invitation, isn't it? Who loves an invitation? And you say, depends who from and where to. (laughs) Invitations come in all different shapes and sizes, don't they? And down through the ages, invitations have kind of morphed in the way that they're presented. I mean, back in my mum and dad's age, and in the uh, Middle Ages, before the printing press, um, we had a town crier that would stand in the middle of the village and kind of just yell out what would happen that next weekend. And everybody in earshot was invited. I'm not sure how they worked out the catering in those days, but that's how it worked. Nowadays, invitations tend to come in a Facebook format, don't they? And you can see who's invited, who's coming, who might be coming, and then you decide whether you want to go. You know you do it. Come on now. (laughs) But no matter how it's presented, an invitation says you are welcome, you are included in what is about to happen. One of my most memorable invitations was when I was 20 years old. I'd never had a boyfriend, sad but true, and I'd I'd met this boy called Aaron. And... um, I'd kind of had a few little informal get-togethers with him. And then one day, in my letterbox, I found this little note. And it said, you are invited. You're invited to dinner this Saturday night, 7 p.m. Get dressed up, I'll pick you up. Excitement is an understatement of what I felt at that moment in getting that invitation. And true to his words, 7 p.m. on the dot, he picked me up in his brand new red sports car. I thought, this is a good start. (laughs) Took me to the revolving restaurant. It was called Highlight 33 back in its day. It was kind of the cream de cream of restaurants. We had this amazing three-course meal. I ate things that I didn't even know what they were, like Moreton Bay bugs and 
Eton mess, which I later found out was just a pavlova that's gone wrong, and they put it in a jar and they call it Eton mess. It was a magical evening. At the end of the evening, I thought, this guy is a keeper. Not only is he good looking and kind, and he loves Jesus, that was at the top of my list, of course, but he must be wealthy. I mean, he has a red sports car. He paid for that meal. I only found out later, actually way too late, <laughs> that um, he had not eaten for two weeks to pay for that one meal. And his dad had gifted him the red sports car. But he's still good looking, loves Jesus, and uh, all, all is good. But when I think about invitations, I can't help but think about Jesus as being the greater greatest inviter of all times. I mean, he lived this open invitation life. Everywhere he went, he was looking for people, going to where people were at, and inviting them out of the life that they knew into a life that they could hardly imagine possible. Some were informal invitations, like, Zach, come down out of that tree, we're going to dinner tonight. Or Matt, let's go fishing on the weekend. And then some were more formal invitations, leave everything you have and come, follow me. But each one of those invitations, when received, when accepted, led to something quite miraculous, something quite powerful. Consider this for a moment. How does something powerful begin? Take, for example, the intensity of a bonfire, or the majesty of a forest, or the roar of a storm, or the saving of a life. How do those things begin? What starts them? What initiates them? When you go right back to the beginning, when you look at the very start, you don't find some grandiose, complicated gesture. You find something very simple, a singular action. See, it only takes a spark to erupt a bonfire into life, doesn't it? It only takes a tiny seed to raise a forest. It only takes a drop of water to begin a storm. It only takes a simple invitation to start a lifelong journey into a divine eternity. You see, the power of an invitation is often overlooked, but its power cannot be denied. And that spark, that simple invitation is what I want to kind of talk about this morning. But I'd love us to pray together before we continue. Father God, I thank you. I thank you that by your spirit, you are here with us this morning. And I ask, I ask by faith that you speak personally to each person here this morning. As they open up their hearts, as they open up their ears, I pray that you come and speak to each one of us powerfully so that it changes us from the inside out in the mighty and beautiful name of Jesus. And they all said, Amen. Look what has dropped out of heaven as we prayed. Now, some of you, if you haven't been here for the last couple of weeks, you would have seen this trophy. Actually, I wouldn't call it a trophy. I'd call it a trinket. I mean, it's so tiny. And it's been paraded. It's been paraded on this stage over and over again. But I thought I'd use it as a message illustration this morning. Okay, we're talking about what things start something powerful. So Josh said this was a powerful moment when he won the go-karting. What is the singular action that started that? Luck. <laughs> it's just luck. I mean, he chose the lucky go-kart that went the fastest. 
This is what you call a trophy. <laughs> Presented to Bronwyn Jennings, that's my maiden name. 1974, fairest and best in the Rehoboth netball team. What began, what was a singular action that began this powerful moment? Talent. Talent. Pure talent. So I would say, let's put the trinket away forever and let's keep the trophy. Hey. And I think we better read the Bible because I need help. I'd love us this morning to walk together through the first few chapters of the Gospel of John. And in it, we find three simple yet really powerful invitations. Three invitations that are like a spark that set a fire going that cannot be contained. So you ready? The story starts with a guy called John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist's kind of whole calling in life was to be like our town crier. He was preparing the way for Jesus. He'd stand there and go, there's the Son of God. There's the Lamb of God. He takes away the sins of the world. I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. But someone greater than I is coming. And so he prepared the way for Jesus. Let's read it in John chapter 1, 35 to 39. It says, The next day, John was back at his post with two disciples who were watching. He looked up, saw Jesus walking nearby and said, Here he is. God's Passover lamb. The two disciples heard him and went after Jesus. Jesus looked over his shoulder and said to them, what are you after? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He replied, come along and see for yourself. They came, saw where he was living and ended up staying with him for the day. It was late afternoon when this happened. I love this story. You know, when the guys come to Jesus and say, well, tell us where you're staying. He doesn't sort of bend down and draw this mud map in the ground and say, well, it's two streets up there. Turn right, turn left. There's a red mud brick house, cypress tree out the front, pet donkey tied up. No, he says, come and see for yourself. Because he knew that if he could get those guys into his presence and have a conversation with him, that their life would be changed forever. Have you ever had one of those come and see moments? You know, when you have something really exciting happen in your life and you try and describe it to a friend, but you just can't put words around it. And so you say, you just got to come and see for yourself. You just got to come and see my brand new house or come and see my brand new red sports car or come and see my new baby. I had one of those experiences. When Josh was born, we were youth pastors in a church in Perth. And uh, I went along with Josh on the first youth night. He was only about two weeks old. And I called over to one of the leaders and I said, hey, Rob, come and see my new baby. You've got to see him for yourself. He's so beautiful. And I'll never forget, he looked in the pram and he looked up at me. He said, he's got the biggest nose I've ever seen. <laughs> so that, that kind of come and see didn't really work. But <laughs> this initial come and see invitation extended by Jesus here is like a spark that sets a fire in motion. Let's read on and see how it does. Verse 40, Andrew Simon Peter's brother was one of the two who heard John's witness and followed Jesus. The first, say the first. The first thing he did after finding where Jesus lived was find his own brother, Simon, telling him, we've found the Messiah, that is Christ. He immediately led him to Jesus. Jesus took one look and said, you're John's son, Simon. From now on, your name is Cephas or Peter, which means rock. See, John reminds us here that the first time that Peter encounters Jesus is not on the beach fishing. 
It's not in that dramatic story with the boat on the storm. It's a simple invitation by his brother. And I love that it's the first thing Andrew does after encountering Jesus himself. He doesn't wait for a more convenient time. He doesn't wait till he knows more scriptures and he's got his life all together. No, the first thing he does is go and find his brother. Because he knew that if he could get his brother into the presence of Jesus, Jesus would change him. And here's the incredible thing. Simon Peter goes on to be one of Jesus' closest disciples. He is the guy that on the day of Pentecost preaches to, I don't know how many people, but 3,000 people in one day become followers of Jesus. He goes on to be a significant church leader, a community leader. And after Jesus' death and resurrection, he teams up with his brother Andrew who led him to Jesus. And they become this outreach team. And they go and seek out the lost tribes of Israel. And they go to places that we now know as Great Britain and Bulgaria and Greece. And the gospel spreads like a fire that cannot be contained. How did it start? A simple invitation. See, this is the original plus one invitation found in the Bible. Let's read on because the fire continues to spread. Verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, come, follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaims Nathanael, can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. As they approached, Jesus said, now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. How do you know about me? Nathanael asked. Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Then Nathanael exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. I love Nathaniel's initial response here. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? It'd be like our friend saying, can anything good come out of the church? But Philip doesn't get into the spiritual debate with Nathaniel. He doesn't get all defensive and say, I'll tell you the five things that, good things that came out of Nazareth. No, he says, well, just come and see for yourself. And this simple invitation leads to this encounter with Jesus. And Jesus speaks into Nathaniel's life. And the trajectory of his life changes forever. Starting to see a pattern here? It only takes a spark to get a fire going. And then we're going to skip over for our third invitation to John chapter 4, where we find one of my all-time favorite Bible stories. It's often referred to as the woman at the well. Now, you might know this story. You might have heard it in your Sunday school days. I want to encourage you this morning, you know, because if you're anything like me, when you know a story really well, you can kind of skim over it and just sort of read it like a, like a flat story. I'd love us to enter into this story. Take it up like a real story this morning. Enter into it. Perhaps imagine that you're one of the characters or you're the, one of the writers of the story. And allow the story to read you. You ready to do that? I imagine this Samaritan woman. Dark hair flowing down her back, her her eyes equally as dark, full of heartache and sorrow. Her body weary of shame and scandal. I mean, she'd had at least six different relationships. She was most likely brokenhearted, definitely complicated and messy. She'd been rejected by her own community. I wonder what she was thinking as she went about her day. 
I wonder what burden she was carrying as she walked to the well that morning. She was thirsty for love and belonging. We can see that in her past broken relationships. She wanted to know more. We can see that because of her interaction with Jesus. See, culturally, these two were enemies. Jesus and the Samaritan woman, they, they shouldn't have even been talking to one another. Yet what we see unfold is this beautiful interaction where they talk about spirit and, and living water and truth and worship. And then Jesus does this most incredible thing. He invites this woman. He invites her out of her life of shame and scandal, of pain and brokenness and loss. And he invites her into a life of purpose and hope and love and grace and acceptance and belonging. So powerful. Let's read it. Verse 26 of chapter 4. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. He reveals himself to her. And just then his disciples came back and they were shocked to find him talking to a woman. But none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her or why are you talking to her? The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see. Turn to the person next to you say, come and see. Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. I love that. See, like Andrew, like Philip, the Samaritan's first woman's first response after encountering Jesus for herself was to go back and invite her community, actually the community that had rejected her and shunned her, and yet she went back and she invited them. You've got to come and see. You've got to come and see this man who knew all about me. He knew about my past. He knew about my scandal. He knew about my shame. He knew about my brokenness, and yet he invited me into life. I mean, isn't that our story this morning? I know it's mine. That Jesus knew everything about me, my pride, my failings, my weaknesses, my sin, and yet invited me into life. And although unnamed in this biblical account, she's given no name, just the woman at the well. But some historians associate her with a, na a Samaritan woman called Fatini. And if you research her name, you find that she uh, went on to be an apostle of Jesus and she was eventually martyred for her faith. Now, whether that's accurate or not does not change the fact that this woman right here became the first New Testament hope trafficker to bring an entire city to Jesus. An entire city to Jesus. Because she knew. She knew that if she could just get her community into the presence of Jesus, Jesus would change them. And I believe with all of my heart that it's the same today. If we could just get our friends, our workmates, our neighbours, our family members into the presence of Jesus, he'll change them. It might not be in a moment, it might be over days, it might be over weeks, but he will change them. And guess what? His presence is here. We've already talked about it this morning. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I. Jesus is here. His presence is here to change everything. He said in Psalm 22, I inhabit, I dwell, I live in the praises of my people. Have we praised God here this morning? Yeah. Well, then he's here. He's living here and he's ready to change. 
For some of your friends, your family, your neighbours, this might be the closest to heaven than they ever, that they ever get. I mean, this is a little piece of heaven on earth. I want to encourage us to be like Philip, to be like Andrew, to be like the Samaritan woman and invite our friends, come and see. Come and see this Jesus that has transformed my life. Because if you think about it, probably the only reason that you are here this morning is because someone invited you. Someone said, come and see. Research tells us that on average, 83% of people come to church from an invitation. Not because they like the pastor, though he's pretty good, because they come from an invitation. Someone invited them. Someone said, come and see. I wonder, I just wonder who's waiting on that invitation this morning. Who is in your world just waiting for you to say, come and see. Come and see this Jesus that has changed my life. And you know what I love about Jesus? He never stops inviting. He never stops saying, come to me. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Come to me, all you who are weighed down with the pressures of life. Come to me, all you who are carrying burdens. Come to me. And I won't lay anything ill-fitting. I won't lay anything heavy on you. In fact, I'll show you how to live in the unforced rhythms of grace. I'll show you how to live lightly. I'll show you how to live freely. Come to me, all you who might not have the right words or the right clothes. Come to me, all you who might have strived and strained in your own effort and always falling short. Come to me, all you who have kind of lost your way in life. Come to me and I will show you life. But then he says, don't come alone. Don't come alone. When you come to me, bring someone with you. When you come to me, grab someone and say, come and see. Come and see this Jesus that has transformed my life, that has given me hope, that has restored my life. You know, all this month we've been throwing out the same challenge. We've been throwing out the challenge, share your hope. Share the hope that you have with someone in your world and then invite them to church. Well, this week I kind of want to make that a little bit more specific. I want us to grab this little invite on our seat. You should all have one. Grab it now if you would. This is an invite to our Christmas production on Sunday. We've got a carnival afterwards. But it's an awesome opportunity to invite someone in your life to come and see. To come and see, to come and meet Jesus, to encounter him and allow him to change their lives. So what I'd love us to do now is take it in our hand and pray. Pray by faith. I'm going to ask Holy Spirit to speak to us right now. Would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, we know that you are here. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to speak to us right now. Speak to us right now and show us that person or those people in our world that you want us to invite this week to this Christmas production. And Holy Spirit, thank you that you are with us. 
that you empower us, that you give us a boldness. Give us the boldness to act on that word from you and go and ask that person. To not fear rejection, to not fear anything, God, but to go boldly knowing that you are with us. You promise never to leave us or forsake us. So we ask that you empower us this week to go and invite them. We ask that you prepare the hearts of those that we are going to ask. Give them soft hearts to receive this invitation, the best invitation that they will ever receive in Jesus' name. And while every head's bowed and eyes closed, I want to put out an invitation this morning, the greatest invitation you'll ever receive, and that is to follow after Jesus. You might be here and be listening to these stories, and you might feel a little bit like Nathaniel, a little bit skeptical. Perhaps you feel like the Samaritan woman that you're never good enough. Or like Simon Peter that just knew there was something more to his life. Well, I want to offer up an invitation this morning to say yes to follow Jesus for the rest of your life. The Bible says that we believe and we receive. We don't behave and be saved. It's nothing to do with what we do. It's a free gift of grace, an open invitation. So if you'd like to say yes to Jesus this morning, I'm just going to ask with every other head bowed while I'm, I'm looking for you to raise your hand up high. Give me a wave. I'm looking across the auditorium now. And we're going to pray a prayer together. Is there anyone here that says, yes, I want to follow after Jesus? Awesome. If you're listening online, I'd ask that you just put your hand on your heart. Maybe as a symbol to say, I want to join in with this prayer right now. Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for paying the price for my sin. I want to follow you. I ask that you come into my life and be the leader of my life. I ask that you fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I can follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.